What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today, we're doing an interview um, with Alex Heath from The Information. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, so just to give a little bit of backstory, um, I found out about you originally at Cheddar, and you were breaking all these really amazing scoops about Snap Spectacles product and sort of this augmented reality kind of world. Um, and so I was like, wow, like you keep breaking all of this amazing news. Um, it seemed to be kind of a thought leader, at least following this space. That's something I've been more and more interested in. Um, so I guess to start, maybe could you tell us like, what are these scoops? Cause you seem to break news about like spectacles three are coming out and this time with these features before snap has even, you know, announced it. What are scoops? Wow. Yeah. Uh, what are scoops? <laughs> I mean, in their essence, they're new pieces of information, uh, that you're reporting before anyone else. And hopefully they're interesting to people and they're impactful and they, um, create a conversation or they create like follow on. Um, and so I've been fortunate enough to be able to, to do that on a, a number of companies, um, snap being a big one. And, um, yeah, they're fun. They're very, um, they, you often don't know, like, what is a scoop, uh, when you're like reporting, which is just like asking questions. And then it kind of comes together as you talk to people mm. and you're talking to people who basically at the end of the day, my job is getting people to tell me things they shouldn't tell me. So <laughs> that's kind of what I tell people at like bars. And so how do you pick to focus in the snap spectacles or sort of the smart glasses world? It seems like that's a lot of your focus. Yeah. And it has been as of late as well. I think it's an area of interest to me. I think it's definitely one that is of huge interest to a lot of the leaders in Silicon Valley at these tech companies that I cover. Um, these companies are all investing massively in the space. And so I think what I've noticed, especially over the last couple of years, is that um, this is where the industry is going. And so we, it's kind of cool to be recovering it at an early stage when all the building blocks are being laid and we're starting to see, okay, who is going to be an early mover, snapping one of the earliest movers, um, but a relatively small player still. So, um, and the whole market is really small. So it's, it, there's a ton of billions of dollars of investment being put into it. Everyone from Tim Cook to Evan Spiegel thinks it's potentially like the next computing paradigm. Um, but we're still so early. So I think that's why it's really fun. Totally. Yeah. And it's like this, the smartphone totally changed the game. And this is thinking about like what comes after exactly. this that's exactly as our personal computer. Yeah. And I guess the, the, the real reason I hit you up so recently to make, uh, to, to come on the show is your scoop of Apple actually wanting to launch a, uh, some sort of smart glasses yeah. product by 2022. Yeah. We've been hearing so many rumors about that for years and years yeah. and years, but it's just really interesting to see that Apple is, you know, the bulk of their profits come from this enterprise and like clearly they see smart glasses as a threat and they're yeah. pushing as that to be the next computing paradigm. Yeah, that story was really fascinating. It was one I actually just kind of helped with. My colleague Wayne Ma really led that one in Hong Kong. Um, and what was unusual about that story is Apple actually held a meeting for every employee that works on their AR technology in October of this year. So very recently um, at the Steve Jobs Theater, which seats about a thousand people, very large meeting um, where they went through the timelines and the features of these devices. We reported that at this wow. meeting, they told everyone that they're working on a mixed reality VR slash uh, AR kind of pass through device similar to the Oculus Quest. Um, that is slated for currently 2022 and then a pair of lightweight sleeker AR full-fledged glasses similar to like the spectacles we have here except you know actual you know AR in the lenses for 2023 um, wow. and that that was interesting because it flew in the face of the current speculation at the time which was based on some analyst reports and some other stuff that they were going some stuff in the supply chain that they were maybe going to put out glasses as soon as next year um, which if you if you track this technology and you track where all these companies are at in the cycles of development it didn't really seem to fit that Apple which 
which is the company that historically waits until it has the technology perfected to come in and really do the first mass consumer device would do something so early in this space because everyone else their timelines are way farther out. So everyone was like, oh, oh my God, like Apple's gonna do this? Like, what do they have that we don't? Like, what did they find yeah. out? Uh, and it turns out that they're actually struggling in the same kind of capacity as everyone else. And we outlined in that story that, for example, Facebook is targeting the same year of 2023, roughly for its AR glasses. So wow, everyone so Facebook is, wants to play in this too. Oh, they have hundreds of people working on it, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that this actually like pushed back the timeline in the consensus, because yeah. I actually feel like your article moved it forward. Really? Because I've been hearing rumors about the Apple smart glasses but like you said, like the yeah. tech just doesn't seem there. It's not. And it's always like Apple, they were rumored to work on a TV. Like there's a million yeah. things people talk about that I'm like, eh. They definitely but, did prototype a TV. I remember that went back. Gosh, okay. I was used to write for a site called Cult of Mac when like early Apple blog days. And <laughs> we heard about a physical prototype of an Apple TV. So that does happen. Wow. I mean, they prototype all these things. But the glasses are happening. And I mean, they have over a thousand people working on this and they're invest, they've bought a lot of companies. They're investing very heavily in it. And we, we reported in the story, everyone up to Tim Cook and senior management thinks that this could one day replace the iPhone. It's going to take a long time, but that's the idea. Yeah. And so that, and like, I guess project Titan, have you heard yeah. much about that must be another kind of stuff. Yeah, well, those are the two things that and the smart glasses. Those from seem like to be the more far flung things. Titan seems like it's scaled back quite a bit from being like a full fledged car that like Johnny Ive may have been do doing designs of, of that I'm sure are really yep. cool and I hope we see one day, but um, to maybe like more of just an autonomous vision project because they do have um, autonomous buses shuttling employees around in Cupertino. Wow, um, already? Does. I think that's been reported. So, um, uh, so they are working on AV tech, but that kind of machine learning technology can be applied to a lot of different things. It can be applied to glasses actually and like the computing you need to do to, to recognize objects and to see the world around you once we have cameras on our faces. You know? Yeah, okay, I need to take one Tesla question though before we get into this because <laughs> sure. um, I've been thinking a lot about the potential for Tesla to license out their electric skateboard which is kind of the part that Apple seems to have they given make up a skateboard? on or it's they call it that it's the batteries and powertrain oh I see. basically okay. yeah. it looks like a skateboard Got at it. the bottom Got of the it. vehicle but basically they said they're willing to license that technology out on the latest huh. conference call which is kind of a new move so to me it's like okay we could do it to VW Porsche BMW or yeah. like what about Apple here like Tesla's done all the hard work of the batteries. And That's stuff. like been one of the greatest tech rumors of all time is like, that Apple should just buy Tesla. Right? So do you have yeah. any like, No, you know, I do not. Uh, I would be shocked if Tesla wanted to, I would be shocked if Elon wanted to work for Tim Cook. Um, uh, and Tesla has a lot of like, as I'm sure you know, like better than I do, a lot of like weird financial things around the business and debt and stuff that I think would be complicated for a transaction that large. Um, uh, I mean, Apple has enough cash to pay they for do. it all oh, in one second. So they certainly do, but like that's the same rationale yeah. people use for net them buying Netflix or anything else. Um, true, true. So I would be super shocked if they like bought the whole company, but the yeah. licensing thing would be potentially interesting. I'm just not familiar with it. Yeah. That. And it's interesting yeah. you say that because like Elon would, it, as much as he would hate to get bought by Apple and is desperate not to do that, I feel like Tim Cook is equally desperate to get access to Tesla's battery technology. Yeah. Which think? is why I think it's kind of a give and take. Yeah. I bet, I bet Apple is working on, I mean, they do for obviously the phones and stuff, they have battery technology, but in t Tesla does seem light years ahead of everyone else in terms of, especially for vehicles. But we just don't know what Apple's aspirations with vehicles are currently. We yeah. know what they have been in the past. They seem like it's scaled back quite a a bit we did actually i helped with break a story one of my first stories at the information this was over six years six months ago that they um they they bought all the engineers from an av startup 
Um, I forget mm. the name of it. Drive, drive, drive.io or something like that. Um, that was working on AV technology and they, they brought over a lot of engineers. So they're definitely still working on it, but it's, I think it's just the software side. Fascinating. Yeah. So switching back to that Apple, um, scoop that, that yeah. you broke. So they had a meeting with a, a thousand internal employees least, to yeah. like announce these. Pr that seems like pretty it was, big deal. It was to not, it was to. It was a showcasing event. It was for people to, you know, showcase what they're working on. You know, like they had hmm. demos of like, you know, virtual, you know, objects and people interacting with them and showing off prototypes of the devices and all that. And, you know, back in the day, like I used, I covered Apple more when it was the Steve Jobs era. And, you know, they used to silo project groups so much that you, you know, like an engineer would be working on the Apple Maps backend and would have no idea what it looked like on the front end for the user. So like they would, they hmm. would, they would make it so that people didn't know what the full scope of the project was until it came out and that was to keep leaks from happening yeah so this was an incredibly unusual meeting um for hmm. them to do and we have kind of speculated that they may be struggling with recruiting in this space so maybe they actually wanted this out here and there was also like a bit of like we corrected some of the fud in the market that they were maybe going to put this out next year Fascinating. Um, so who knows why i mean they didn't give it to us like we reported it but um like it seems like they've been okay with it being out there and so what is Apple's strategy here? Because you mentioned like a bigger headset at first, yeah. followed by something very more like Snap Spectacles, yeah. but with an AR component. Yeah. So do you have any insight or kind of guesses as to like what is their market introduction strategy? Because launching a yeah. VR headset seems to me way different than glasses you'd yeah. wear around. I wouldn't call it VR. So if people have used, you know, that are watching the Oculus Quest, which is Facebook's latest kind of full VR headset, it has this thing called pass-through technology where essentially if you're in your space of VR and you move out of it, um, you'll see the world around you. It actually has cameras on, on the outside and they're, they're just kind of fuzzy. So it's, it's not like crystal clear, but it gives you a sense so you don't bump into things. Okay. So when, when I say VR, um, we expect that you will be able to be immersed in the device. So like it won't be just like full AR where I'm constantly also seeing the world around me, but there will be a, a hybrid component of it. Um, where you can maybe see more of the real world and then retreat back into the virtual world. So mixed reality. And that lends itself to gaming, you know, but it's a more consumer... Because the problem with a lot of VR devices for consumers is they're very clunky. And then when you're in them, you have no idea what's going on around you. And so... Um, you bump into things like it's just kind of clunky experience. So mm. we know historically how Apple operates is they, they don't do something until it's a mass consumer. They think it has mass consumer appeal. They don't do niche. I mean the Mac pro, but they, they don't do, I think for something like this, they're not going to do something that just appeals to gamers or just appeals to like enthusiasts like us, right? Like certainly there'll be an early adopter element of this, but, um, they're going for like the mass market. Yeah, and that seems to be a total polar opposite strategy from what Snap is doing, yeah. which is constant iteration yeah. in the market. So yeah. we have the spectacles here, which I've the spectacles three I think are awesome or yeah. huge step forward. And when I was at Snapchat, the way they kind of explain this ideology of like we want to release one version every year, yeah. sort of like it seems like an R and D project in the wild where it's a yeah. beta product. They want feedback, and I think it's a really smart strategy because it's it such is. a different, weird product. Putting it out there in the wild and getting people used to it seems like kind of a better way to move into it versus Apple is trying to do an Apple style, yeah. just like drop the ball yeah. and then it changes the game, yeah. you know, snaps easing into it. So yeah. how, how do you think about those kind of, yeah, well, <laughs> that is what snap is doing now. They kind of had to, uh, had their ego taken down a notch first to like get to that approach of R and D <laughs> in the wild. If we all remember with the first spectacles, they actually over ordered, but, but what, didn't they reorder because it was selling really well? Yes. So what so happened? They, well, right? because of the, we all like the vending machine thing they did, which was really brilliant marketing where they dropped these yellow vending machines 
yeah. the lines for them were insane. They thought demand was just going to continue, so they they ordered millions of these devices, thinking they would sell them. Took ended up taking a multi. It was like a thirty forty million dollar write down and an unsold inventory, um, which was fortunate because they weren't that expensive. If you know you're like making actual AR, like that's very expensive. Um, so. They after that I think the and they've had quite a few like executive turnovers in the hardware group since then. So mm. now I think they've gotten the approach of we are going to iterate in the wild, um, and they kind of have to do these smaller releases. Like this is a very like um, uh, creator influencer focused product, um, very expensive, and it's not for um, the normal person, right? So like that allows them to not make too many of these things and um, because they're expensive. And so I, I, I think that they have that, that benefit going for them. And they also have like the software element, which is cool uh, with the 3d videos and stuff, but it's an incredibly capital intensive thing to make like AR glasses. You need to like have silicone, you need to have all these things. And so um, they're the, definitely the smaller company in the space that's working on this. So they're kind of like the David and Goliath actually. That's I'm rooting for them. I think they're an incredibly creative company. Um, but you know, they're definitely in a, in a land of giants, so to speak. Yeah, and it's funny, but they seem to be ahead in the wild in the way. In the like wild, sending they are. thousands of, of these yeah. and every version there it's really about miniaturization yeah. with the technology. Yeah. It seems like every version gets lighter and even using these, it's like not perfect. The quality is nowhere near my yeah. iPhone camera, but like it's good enough. It's yeah. seven twenty. Um so and companies will catch up to this approach. So like I reported a couple months ago, Facebook has actually recently signed a deal with Luxottica, which is the parent company of Ray Ban. Wow. Um, to okay. do a deal with Ray Ban to do basically spectacles with Ray Ban that will come out in a year or two, probably closer to two years. And what they want to do with that is test the the thesis of are people willing to wear a Facebook device on their face, which like, you know, us and people watching this are probably not, but like maybe normal people are who aren't like tech enthusiasts. Um, um, and so they're going to be forward-facing cameras, sync with an app, that sort of thing, very similar to this. Um, and that's still very early days, but that's happening uh, a lot in parallel to the full AR glasses that would maybe one day compete with Apple's or the fourth generation that Spectacles are currently being developed, which has waveguides in the lenses and all that. It's codenamed Hermosa. So um, everyone is moving towards that space, and it's who gets there first and can capture like the market appeal, right? So Snap's definitely out there early, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win this you know yeah and it's interesting that facebook is, is pushing so much in this because what yeah. i love about snap at least from the creator perspective is like they're on my side and they've kind of relied on apple to be the middleman like all these companies yeah. do apple is the camera all of their platforms use this is like a move to be more vertically integrated and get off of apple's ecosystem which is probably why apple's mm -hmm. so worried about it and trying to invest in it as well but that's why i love snapchat because i'm like wow you've given me a new way to create like okay i could buy this sony camera we're filming it on with a lens it's like way over a thousand dollars it doesn't adjust itself like the iphone's already getting better than that and this to me is like a way better innovation because i don't have to use my hands mm -hmm. like it's a different way of filming it's a different perspective it's a different category of camera than kind of exist and as a creator it makes making content so much more easy and fun so i feel like snap has been in a weird way like on my side versus instagram and facebook they don't give me a camera to use but i guess it sounds like they're pushing into yeah that. they're pushing and maybe facebook will integrate its glasses with instagram that would make a lot of sense um we don't know it's kind of early but um, everyone is pushing towards eyewear as kind of the collective. I actually just got back from a reporting trip in San Francisco meeting with a big tech company about this. And everyone is, everyone is pushing towards this goal of like everyone in Silicon Valley feels like not everyone. Most people feel that it's inevitable 
that uh, we will one day all wear these kind of like high tech glasses on our faces, which is kind of a wild thing to think about. Totally. And one of a quirky kind of moonshot I think about this is Warby Parker. Yeah. To me, they're a fascinating player in this space because I love my Warbies. They're super cheap. They've competing with like Luxottica, I think, on a, on a lot of ways. Um, they have everybody's prescription, which is I don't have on my Snap Spectacles, which is going to be kind of a dumb, simple, but extremely valuable hurdle because we, everybody has glasses. I think, I don't know if it's because of our laptops, but yeah. I feel like they, um, I don't know. I just see Warby Parker, like I thought, should Apple buy them? Because they have, their glasses are cool. People like them. They have the consumer part down. So I wonder, like, do you view Warby Parker as potentially playing well, in this Well, so I, I know and reported a while ago that Snap met with Warby Parker to discuss some kind of partnership similar to the Ray-Ban thing. Oh, um, wow. So they to actually do met. For spectacles. And there's a lot of, like, um, supply chain and, like, design trade-offs and complications that happen when you're plugging in, like, one company's tech with a company like Warby Parker's frames. They're not this, They're not built the same. They're not like, so there's a lot of like, it basically didn't work. It was going to be too complicated. And you also have a lot of issues with like insurance with eyewear companies that they're not incentivized maybe to sell devices like that when they have insurance for other stuff. So it's a very complicated space to play in. Um, and while it may on the surface look like obvious, like if Apple wants to do sexy consumer eyewear technology, like they should buy Warby Parker, right? But then you got to think about, I mean enough with founders to know you got to think about the the vision of the founder. So does is Warby Parker's dream to to do that is that their be all end all i don't think so i think warby parker would probably rather just be the next luxotica and like be glasses for everyone not necessarily like this high tech like so maybe one day but like um i i would be shocked if if apple or anyone bought a warby parker anytime yeah. soon and it's funny you mentioned the vision because it's like well the future is going to happen whether you like it or not warby parker and everyone's glasses yeah. are going to have tech embedded so do you want to get a head start in that right or not? And maybe they will <laughs> maybe they'll partner um i would just be shocked if like some company came in and took them out especially like a tech company um hmm. but definitely they they've had discussions with companies about tech glasses so Apple and Facebook, giants, tens of billions to spend. Snap, I guess, even like not even a giant in this space. Who? What other companies magically, they're one that I follow that seems to have raised a ton of money. Yeah, they've raised the um, most of any, any private AR company. Um, yeah, AR funding is really fascinating because Magically has consumed so much of it. They've raised over $2.4 billion. Um, and then you have, besides them, you have companies like really, honestly, it's just a list of companies that have shuttered. You have Daiquiri, you have Meta, you have building AR tech glasses on your own without a, um, without another revenue source, without like infinite backing. Like it's very difficult because it's such a capital intensive business. It's not like building software where the margins are amazing. It's like, you've got to like build physical shit. Like it's, it's hard. And so can I, can I curse on here? Yeah. Okay. Um, totally, totally, um, and totally. so, and so like that's. <laughs> that's the issue for um, these private companies that are not as well funded or don't have like, like Facebook can sell glasses at a loss and like forever. And it doesn't matter. Like be, it, not, I'm being kind of like, you know, hyperbolic there, but like, yeah, they, they make a lot of money from ads. So like they, as long as that's train is churning, like they're spending billions of dollars on hardware. Totally. When you consider v AR VR and they're not making any money off of it. It's like a long-term hedging the bets, like platform play that they can make because of their business model. Whereas if you're a Daiquiri or a magic leap, 
what business do you have if you don't sell your headsets? So what is the actual market appetite for these headsets? And the, we know based on like industry data, IDC, others, that the market is really not there. I think like global AR headset shipments this year, IDC said it was like gonna be optimistically half a million. And that's probably pretty high. That probably includes a lot of B2B like HoloLens type stuff, not consumer stuff. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft, so like, um, it's a timing thing where like you have to get the market demand right and then you have to have like the, the business model and the support to be able to like have longevity in the space. And so unfortunately what I think we're starting to see is you're going to have an industry that is the really the, the tech giants are the ones that are going to be leading the charge here because the startups are having such a hard time. You know, like Magic Leap came out really hot last year. Have we seen anything re- that much since then? It's been kind of a trickle. I don't know how many of those are out in the wild now. It feels like vaporware kind of with yeah. all these companies. Like they were maybe too early. So like, um, you know, they definitely made their device the sexiest, but like of, of a device of that capability. But is the market appetite there for a device like that right now to like do what they want to do? And it doesn't seem like it is. And I think it's interesting you say the market appetite isn't there because the way I kind of view it is the tech isn't there. I think the market appetite for this, like when I got the Spectacles 3, this to me is like a product I would buy for $400 that would actually really help my business. Like it's not just like a fun, cool thing anymore. Sure. The tech's there. So I feel like it's all about... Um, less people not being ready, but the tech not being ready. True. For full AR, it definitely is. I would not call these AR glasses because when I think of AR, I think of I think of overlaying virtual objects onto the real world. Um, and sure, they do this later. They do post the like post glasses like on your phone. But like true AR is like I'm looking at you and I see a text message come in over here on my glasses. Like that to me is AR in a, in an, in an eyewear perspective like so maybe we have different like definitions of that but like um yeah i don't know like i don't know what that is in terms of like market demand like sure if you release a product that is just as good as the phone on your face i bet a lot of people will want that because it's more convenient it's more intimate i think we're moving towards like more intimate technology right like when you think about like smart watches tech is getting closer to our bodies and so it's only natural i think a lot of technologists believe that eventually like we will get so close that it's like on our face and maybe one day in our brains right Neuralink. <laughs> yeah yeah and so that like from a consumer perspective what is exciting about this product because when you said text message flash up yeah. i'm like I, I was kind of thinking like okay that's kind of like the apple watch yeah. was like you're one step closer to checking your phone it's that much easier so is that really all it is because it's hard to wrap my head around like everyone says oh ar glasses ar it's the future of the phone but like just thinking through like what does that mean like as a consumer is yeah kind of hard it's a, i think there'll be a lot of utility things and the companies are still figuring this out very much in terms of what is the actual utility apple facebook everyone but um there's things like directions you know you're driving in your car and um you know instead of looking down at something even if it's on your dashboard like what if your directions were more overlaid onto your environment um if you know i you know like if my wife like texts me an emergency in the middle of this interview and like i am not looking at my phone but I, she's on my favorites so then it comes to my glasses like you become more connected um and hopefully in a thoughtful way hopefully in a way that people aren't like this is black mirror this is creepy and so you know do you trust facebook to build that future versus like apple that's a huge question um so but that's the idea is to make it more intimate more us more connected to our devices and then Neuralink and facebook is working on brain control interfaces as well they just bought control labs for almost a billion dollars which was working on an armband to do essentially mind reading to essentially be able to interpret um, input through through brain signals um, on, wow. on devices. So like this is a huge like it's we're five to ten years plus out, but that that's coming. 
Yeah, and we're, there's that episode of Black Mirror where they like everything gets recorded and it's yeah. like a chip in your brain, which is kind of like what Neuralink is trying to build. So that's really, this is almost like a really bootleg old school way to do the chip in the brain you know yeah. we're literally moving the chip like here not in here yet yeah but that's exactly so what's, what's happening is people are what, what these companies are working on is miniaturizing bci brain, brain control interfaces in such a way that one day um there'll be sensors maybe on the temples of my glasses and they're able to interpret certain words maybe vocabulary I've, some say it's an optimal to have over a thousand words that they can recognize that um where i can say you know text so and so or say yes say no and like you got to figure out the input there because you don't want that always listening to your mind but like uh, maybe it's a tapping to turn the sensor on but like that's what they're thinking through right now is like how do we build this new compute and it's kind of if you go back to like when the mouse was invented and how like that fundamentally changed computing for decades and we're still using mice that are doing that like it's the next mouse um and so that's what the smartest minds in technology in this space are working on and that's why elon musk is working on it and i love his analogy of like the data tube is a straw right now because yeah. like it's so slow and archaic the way we interact with computers it's bandwidth issue, yeah. bandwidth issue. Yeah. so that we're all about getting the more bandwidth in between your brain and the computer exactly. faster because that's the if I could think, if I could use a computer as fast as I could think, think about how much more productive we would be as a society. Because think about the time it takes to take what I want to type, type it out physically, make adjustments, that sort of thing. Imagine, you know, seamless input through your brain and how efficient. I mean, it's going to unlock tr probably trillions of dollars in like economic value alone just to, just saving that time. Yeah. And I call it like this is like the bicycle for the mind. The yeah. Neuralink is like the Hyperloop for the mind. Yeah. And they have the invasive approach, which is actually very controversial. I just actually interviewed a, a brain BCI researcher the other day. And like this is a controversial topic in the industry, in the what neuroscience Neuralink industry. The invasive versus non-invasive non -invasive approach. Facebook is going the non-invasive and that's what control labs which was just bought by them was doing which is okay. like we are not going to do surgery to be able to do this so elon's actually taking it like a step forward there we haven't even gotten the non-invasive done really yet like that tech is very rudimentary he's going a step forward and saying like we're going to just start doing like full invasive and try to go there the problem is is like no one's going to get brain surgery like to do that so um it's very much an r&d project like maybe you will but i'm not going to get brain surgery <laughs> well they're going to start with people who need it for medical needs right. first so exactly. that's kind of a way to get over that right hump it's of a medical thing so yes but i the, in the neuroscience community my very limited knowledge of it is that it's it's currently kind of controversial of like as an industry should we be focusing on non-invasive first and cracking the nut there because like we we're we're not able to type even with non-invasive approaches in a way with our minds that is like a keyboard like in terms of words per minute so mm -hmm. let's crack that first and make that a consumer product and then let's start so but elon likes to go the full yeah the full way. and like on one hand i love the Neuralink technology but in my personal life like i put my phone on do not disturb all the time and like put it in other rooms when I'm working and my friends think I'm crazy they're like what if I call you what if I text you and I'm like I'm in charge of when I check my phone my phone's not in charge of telling interrupting me and I like everyone thinks I'm crazy for that but I feel like that's just something that seems to get worse and worse and worse with this technology agency is super important and especially as we wear these things and as they one day interface with our minds our own agency is i think something that i hope all these companies really focus on and i know even facebook given all its knocks on privacy feels like it needs to overcorrect in this because and be the most like uh user-centric privacy-minded um and that's kind of what they've been telling me because they they know what their reputation is so like it's get the industry is really thinking it through this like very difficult you know and like apple for example we reported in that 
story about the glasses, they're already thinking through kind of sociological cues. Like if I'm sitting here talking to you um, and I get an incoming text, should my glasses dim? Should they become sunglasses? So you know that I'm not engaged with you in a conversation. Oh, that's anymore. a really cool feature that so, I read. Like it yeah. kind of like shows that yeah. you're looking in the digital world. But that also it. has a cynical approach because the technology is actually not there to do a lot of this like display technology with a lot of like light. Like if you go, you can't use a magic leap outside because of like sunlight. You, you have to use it in like a dimly lit room. If you've ever done a magic leap demo, like it's not in like highlight environments. Hmm. So it's actually also like, can you take a cool sociological feature and like also like marry it to like the fact that the tech is constrained, which is like how Apple will present it, but it's actually because the tech is constrained. <laughs> so like they're so savvy with marketing and like with presenting things. So that's why, you know, it's hard to not put your money on them in terms of like who's going to figure this out first in a way that like normal people want to use it. Um, but we're, that's, we're still so early in terms of like we can't be in like well-lit environments and have like really rich graphics like thrown into our eyeballs. Mm -hmm. um, and Apple's stance on privacy, it seems very strategic in this because they've really kind of doubled down on that. Like Siri sucks on purpose because it's not tapping into too much data. And I think Snapchat as an interesting brand synergy there where it's really about privacy, protecting the user. And I frankly trust Snap way more than Facebook and Apple way more than Facebook. Um, the Snapple theory of like, they're kind of like, you know, Snap is probably number two behind Apple or maybe even number one because Apple doesn't have a product that's out in terms of this like Evan Spiegel super visionary like is there any like the Snapple Apple buying snap for this because that's a rumor that yeah that's a rumor um I don't think there's ever been any serious talks there um I think Evan would be very hard pressed like same with Elon I think Evan having a boss would be uh an unusual setup I don't think he wants to have a boss so what the hell is Evan Spiegel, this is actually what I want to talk to Evan Spiegel about is the dual share class. Yeah. So like, that's the one thing where I'm like, okay, it's a monopoly with him and his, his best friend who started the company. There's dual classes of stock. Like it's such a pet peeve of mine, like hyperchain, a startup I'm running one class, common stock. We all get a vote. Like, yeah. why is it so, um, and I can't get an answer from snap. And the answer from snap bulls that I've talked to is like, oh, you want the long-term control. You want the long-term vision. I'm like, that's bullshit. Look at, I don't know if Amazon, like just the way they run it, like you can hold the rock concert or a ballet. You just got to do it correctly. You can't market the rock concert as a ballet. I don't know if you've heard that kind of theory of investor yeah. relations. So I'm just not convinced you need a dual share class to think long-term, but that's the only argument they have. And so well, and they didn't invent that, right? Like that was actually invented by Google, um, the whole dual class concept. And um, like like pertinent to this conversation, like Larry and Sergey, the two co-founders of Google, just announced the other day that they're actually kind of stepping back from all management. They're just going to be on the board. They still have over 50% voting control of the company because of how they set it up with the dual class. So even though they are not in management, they still control the company. Um, so that's, we haven't as a society, I think really been able to even reckon with the ramifications of dual class yet because Google is the oldest company that's really done it in Silicon Valley. Google is a little over 20 years old. They've only, I don't know how long they've been public off the top of my head, but, um, they did it and then Mark Zuckerberg did it. Um, and he has control of Facebook. He's the chairman of the board and the CEO. He owns over 50% of the stock. Um, so the board at Facebook is essentially like a consulting firm. Like they're not actually a decision maker. Like he could, Mark could fire the entire board tomorrow they, they can't oust him and Say, google and snap is what you're saying they snap could, they is the exact same way evan has is not 
really accountable to anyone. I mean, we saw with WeWork, you know, Adam Newman had set it up as a dual class and it got so bad that um, he was finally kicked out because of like optics around the company, but they still had to pay him over a billion dollars to give up his dual class shares. Wow. So like this isn't, dual class is expensive. It's expensive for accountability. It's expensive for investors. Um, but you could look and argue like Google is like one of the most successful companies of all time. So like they've like, they're, they're like a bedrock of our economy. So um, uh, same with like Facebook, you could argue you've got the two like dominant ad players in the world that like a whole businesses and economy have been built around that are dual class share structures. So um, there's a lot to, of arguments to be made on yeah. either side. With Snap, um, you could argue that like the, sh the shares hitting $5 last December, if Evan didn't have control of that company, what would have happened? You would have had a, you would have had a, like a, a third point, a Dan Loeb, a, like a, a, a Carl Icahn come in and like try to take the company over, which happens all the time at companies that don't have these, these dual class shares because, um, a, you, an investor can get together enough money, can get together enough constituents and can force the CEO out if they don't like the vision. So, um, Snap would not be doing this. Like these would not exist if Evan did not have dual class share of the company. There are a lot of executives at Snap over the last few years that would like have loved to shut down the hardware because it like it loses the company money. They can't even, like their ad business yeah. is not scaled yet. So like that's like you get stuff like this because of dual class. So like that's there's trade-offs, right? And like, I personally, I think it's not a great thing. Like, I don't think any one person should have that much power, especially over a company. Snap is relatively small, but even it's, it's huge still. I mean, it's like $20 billion company, but like when you think about a Google or a Facebook, like should, should one man, should Mark Zuckerberg have control over a $600 billion company? I don't know if right? that's, that's true. So like Tim Cook doesn't have majority control of Apple. So, um, Twitter actually doesn't have a dual class. Like Twitter could be taken over. So, I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't know the right answer. Like it, that was such a great breakdown, but it, to me, it feels like we're moving back to the feudal age. And like you said, Google success, Facebook success. To me, it's like, wait, we haven't seen the shit hit the fan where that founder dies or he goes crazy. Except for like we work or, or we work and we work was where the market was like, wait, this has gone way too far. We, this is the last straw. We work's not getting this IPO out. And now I'm looking back up the road at who are the biggest companies who did pull this off before the market decided it was BS and snap is one of the perfect examples. They timed it. And so snap pulled this off when it was acceptable, but now it's not really acceptable anymore. And so. I just think it's fascinating. Like you said, like we're going, to, I think it's kind of to the feudal age where these people are empires, like they're bigger than most countries. These com these companies, 2 billion users, that's way bigger than any country or religion. Like, yeah, I think we will continue to see dual class be very popular, especially as there's a new stock exchange starting in Silicon Valley that's very founder friendly. You still have enough institutional support from the VCs and from a lot of the like early founders in the industry um, that w like liked it that they had founder control, and so the the new founders that are coming up that they're backing, they want them. This is a generational thing, mm -hmm. so I do think in our generation we might see an, an era where tech is the biggest tech companies are not dual class. It's going to take decades, I think, just because of like the generation, like the generational aspect of how this money flows from company to company. It takes a long time. Yeah. And so I guess to end it, one thing I'm really fascinated by is like we're merging with computers. I guess that's really the trend that yeah. we're going like this is a really like out of our body computer, but that we're kind of merged with. And then we have Neuralink, which is like the next generation. I was at the Neuralink like unveiling or launch oh, yeah? event. And I, I thought it was so cool. It was like the start of a sci-fi movie. Are they testing on like chimpanzees or something? Oh, already? and they mentioned they were like, there is a lab in UC Davis right now with like probably a dozen or two dozen chimpanzees with the chips in their brains that are controlling computers. Like this is so real. Like this Planet exists. Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. Like it real. And so, um, 
I don't know. I just think the biggest thing that Elon Musk has cracked the code on why Neuralink is amazing is because they've incentivized the smartest people in academia to come together and work together with a strategic focus. And that sort of uh, pooling of intellectual talent and capital, I think, is very rare. And like Elon Musk is he's the one of the only people who could pull this off. And that was what my biggest impression of Neuralink is, is like this is like a science project as much Definitely. as it is a company. And they're going to do their first 10 years is probably just learning about the brain before it's actually figuring out how to, we can manipulate it. Um, but I'm kind of curious if you just have any thoughts on like how this all arcs together, snap spectacles, apples. Yeah. Into Neuralink. Yeah. I've been thinking actually a lot about the arcing of it and the timetables because everyone is kind of on similar timetables because of fundamental tech constraints um, with all this, all this hardware too. So like, I think in five years, like we will have like iPhone ones, two gen era um, smart glasses that are becoming relatively popular AR um, within five years okay. um, wow. that like you and I will have them and maybe not like our grandparents, but like people will start to be interested in them within 10 years. Um, they will probably, you know, in the same way that like the laptop you still use, even though you have your phone, like we'll still use our phones, but they'll become less uh, essential to our daily lives. So it'll be a slow thing. Like computers hmm. we still use. So like they become like more work beasts over time. So like maybe that gets moved to VR, maybe it gets moved to phones and the AR glasses become our phones. And then also within 10 years, this BCI work, all this brain control interface work, a lot of neuroscience people agree that within 10 years, 10 years at least um, that will become an input mechanism for definitely glasses and other devices and so we'll start to be interacting with computers with our minds so in 10 years it's, it's gonna look really different yeah and it's the implications of that are like just the first one I can think of is like every memory is recorded in five senses or like something like, I don't know how far along that is, but yeah. that's the Black Mirror thing. And I'm like, wow, this yeah. is... Sci-fi is always prescient with this stuff. Like they always like, because these technologists are motivated by sci-fi. Like there's huge nerds and they like, they love all this stuff. Like Ready Player One drove a lot of their early like interest in VR. Like, like that's so um, what we're seeing now in like sci-fi and Black Mirror, like it will happen. It's going to take time, but it will happen. Wow. And so who should we follow? Uh, yeah, I mean, snap the, comp spectacles. the companies to watch are definitely, I think, on the smaller side, you've got like a snap that could be creative and could find creative ways to kind of like move into this space, even as they are one of the less they have, you know, they don't have a ton of capital. So it's like going to be harder for them to scale up, but like they're being creative about it. Uh, and early mover, definitely. Um, Apple, you got to, I mean, like uh, you can't write them off. And like, um, you know, if they're, all these companies are making land grabs for what they think is the next computing platform. So everyone from Google, definitely Facebook has been very out there. I wouldn't be surprised if Amazon is cooking up some stuff. Um, they already showed their Alexa kind of enabled dumb frames that just have the sound chips in them that you can talk to. So like you start adding wave guys onto that over time. Like Samsung has to be looking at this. Like all these companies have at least R&D projects on this and some are more out there than others but they all think this could be the next phone so i would not write out any of the big tech stocks um and maybe we'll see a startup like magic leap like do something fun i bet it's going to be one of the big companies that has another revenue line that can support this kind of long-term thinking because it is long-term thinking yeah and it's fascinating the psychology behind it that fear is more powerful than greed and that's yeah. the real emotion Definitely. that is driving every single Definitely. tech company to do this is it's out of fear it's defensive like put it this way like if the mobile phone came out in 2019 for the first time would Apple put Facebook on it given like all of face if Facebook was just a PC thing and they had all their privacy concerns and Apple had to make a checklist of priorities of like what are we going to support with this new device would Facebook be on that list maybe not so if I'm Facebook and Apple is working on glasses I don't have any like guarantee that I'm going to be part of the next computing medium if I don't own it I need to own it 
So that's why all these companies are like, we need to own it. Uh, and it's fascinating. It is, it is driven by fear. Yeah. So, so cool. This is such a great conversation. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed fun. it. Thank you Very so much there. for coming yeah. on the show. Yeah. Thanks Appreciate for it. Me. Yeah. Peace out guys.